This is AgriFutures On Air, brought to you by AgriFutures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture. It was always an exciting time at home when the beekeepers arrived once every couple of years with their hives. They were chasing yellow box honey and we had good stands of healthy remnant box trees of different sorts scattered through the place. So we got our 20 litre drum of honey as a thank you every year. Being a sheep property we weren't too fussed about what vegetation flowered when. But it's a different story when it comes to many agricultural crops that need pollination to propagate. My guests this week are at the sharp end of taking the chance out of pollinating crops. And yes, there's skill involved in the age-old methods of placing beehives around crops. But as you'll hear, there's also a lot of luck. Kate and David Lyle from Bee Innovative presented their Bee Radar at last year's Evoke Ag event, creating quite a bit of interest. It's easy to imagine how their idea will be a major success in the near future, and as you'll hear, they already have plans for international expansion. Kate Lyle told me how it all began, and like many good ideas, grew out of mulling over a problem while enjoying a cuppa. So Be Innovative, funnily enough, actually did start over a cup of tea between David and I. And originally our idea was we're both beekeepers ourselves and we were looking at the Varroa destructor mite moving around the world. And Australia is the last country that doesn't have the Varroa mite. So we were thinking to ourselves, well, do we keep beekeeping when the Varroa mite does come to Australia? Because the experts say it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And then we were thinking to ourselves, well, why does the Varroa mite why is it transmitting through the countryside? And, you know, New Zealand's a good example. It took them about 18 months to work out that they had the mite in the country. And by that stage, it was too late. So it's all about tracking those wild hives that are out in the landscape. And that's how it's spreading without people knowing. So the current practice is to have sentinel hives around the port. So the way that the varroa mite will come into the country is on bees that are potentially on, say, a container ship. So when those bees come into port, they've been out at sea for six weeks and they're going to be looking for somewhere to set up their hive. So what happens is those bees will then go off into the landscape and they'll set up a hive, say, out in, you know, a tree and nobody knows that they're there. So they've got these sentinel hives that they check routinely and hopefully those bees will then go into that hive that's sort of set up and it's all nice for them to to start their hive. But then we thought to ourselves, well, it takes a while for that process to happen and then by the time you find them in there, has the hive already swarmed and is it already out into the landscape? So the original concept was how can we track these hives down at a very quick rate? My background's in nuclear medicine, so we track isotopes around the human body. We came up with a device that basically we can use to track these hives. So what we would do is have a, a device that's out in the landscape that's a feeding station So then bees would come to that feeding station and then using AI, we can decide whether, hey, hang on, that bee has a varroa mite on it. So once you've got that information, you then need to track that bee. Once it's had a feed, it will go directly back to the hive. So then we came up with the concept, well, hang on a minute, how can we track these bees from the feeding station 
back to their hive and then go and eradicate that hive. So we came up with the idea of like a radar-like device. So it, it sends out an energy signal and it gets information back. If we couple that under a drone, we can actually, in real time, follow this bee back to its hive and find the hive. So as we went through the process, we then thought to ourselves, well, this is a fantastic idea, but really the, the customer base for this, for our company, is quite limited. So then we thought to ourselves, what's another area that we could use this device in? So we are contract pollinators for, with our bees. So then we thought to ourselves, well, thinking in that landscape, the natural process for the bees coming into the farms to pollinate the crop, and there's 100 crops that bees are brought in to pollinate. Well, you know what? A lot of the bees are brought in and they're just put in the crop. And the farmers do literally, we've heard from them, cross their fingers and hope that those bees will pollinate all of their crop. But they don't actually have any data or any way of measuring that these bees are actually going to pollinate the whole crop. So then we thought to ourselves, well, hang on a minute. So this device we've developed for this area, we can actually use it in a very different area too. And there's um, quite a large customer base for that, for the fact that there's so many farmers out there. And there's, as I said, about 100 crops that need bees for commercial pollination. So that's probably, you know, where we all started and sort of where we are today. Well, David, that was some cup of tea, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, I think all things start from good ideas and have a small beginning and grow from there. But Kate's certainly right. The, The focus for Be Innovative at the moment is to improve the natural process of pollination. So to give farmers that critical information to see the bees are in fact doing a high level of pollination across the entire crop. But unfortunately, what we've seen repeatedly is with current management practices in the absence of data, bees are doing quite a patchy job across the crops. And if you think of all the effort and money that's spent to bring a crop to market, it's a terrible shame just that natural process of pollination isn't managed a little bit differently to get good pollination across the entire crop producing Mm. more product without any more land or any water. David, Kate mentioned that it's like a radar. So how does it work? Like is it ping, ping, you know, like on the old submarine uh, movies? Yeah, with the technology, it does emit an energy signal multiple times a second. And probably the easiest way to, to describe that, if you think of a radar at an airport, it pushes out an energy signal and a return signal bounces back. And by analysing the return signal, you can distinguish between a big passenger jet and a military jet. And it's very much the same with the bees. Bees have a a unique signal that we identify and therefore we can track the bees in the crop. So you're actually seeing where the bees are in the crop using this uh, BDAR, as you call it. Yeah. So the key thing that we provide the farmers is what we call a pollination map. And effectively, that has a, a heat map or a traffic light scale where green denotes high levels of pollination and red, poor levels of pollination and yellow in between. And effectively, what we do is count the number of bees in each area of the crop. So we can turn around to the farmer and say, well, at this colour scale, the crop's receiving on average 240 bee visitations per square metre per hour. So what happens then, Kate, is it just a matter then the farmer says, okay, I can move the hives somewhere else so that we get a, a better coverage? Well, what you can do is once the bees are in the crop, you can't move them a small distance because what the bees will do is return to where that hive was. 
So the answer is to not move what you've currently got. So there's a couple of options. So if the farmer contracts us early enough before pollination commences, we can say to the farmer, bring in 80% of the hives that you were going to bring in from the beekeeper. We'll come in and scan your crop and then we'll provide you with exactly what's going on. And then in areas that we see that the bees are not getting to like they should, we can then bring in those 20% of the hives and then put them in crop. And we can do that after a day of scanning. So it can all happen fairly quickly because the pollination period for a lot of crops is around four to six weeks. As a matter of interest, how wide an area does a a bee cover? Bees normally cover from a hive around three kilometres radius from the hives. But for us, the bees will be in the crop. Sometimes if there's a floral source, say if they've got eucalypt trees on the edge or some other pasture flower that's out of the crop, the bees can be attracted over to that, therefore taking the bees out of the crop. With the drone, it's fantastic for us because we can scan as much or as little as they like. We can cover the whole crop quite easily. And with larger drones, we can cover a a much greater distance for those sort of broad acre crops such as sunflowers. David, tell me about the drone. Is the BDAR a bolt-on to the drone? Yeah, so the BDAR technology is independent of drones. Our our expertise is in the BDAR device and in bees as well. And the rate of acceleration for drone technology is amazing. We wanted to reap the rewards of other people's knowledge and efforts with drones and not be distracted away from our core technology. So BDAR is a bolt-on unit that we can place on any drone that's got the flight capacity to carry the, the weight of the unit and is legal within the different jurisdictions that people may want to use the technology. What is the weight of the unit and how big are these drones? The unit is just under 3.5 kilograms and we tend to use a larger enterprise style drone. We've used the M600 for quite some time and part of the attraction to that device is it's a six rotor, six battery device. So if you had a failure of one component, there was sufficient redundancy that the drone doesn't have a, I think what they term is a hard landing. (laughs) Yes. Kate, you mentioned earlier that prior to BDAR, that it was more like a wing and a prayer, so to speak, when it came to a farmer getting his crop pollinated. Have you seen any evidence that suggests how much farmers may have been losing prior to BDAR coming along? Yeah, we've, we've seen in each crop we've worked in, we've had nothing but positive results. So when we first started, we did a trial in blueberries up at Coffs Harbour. And we increased that grower's profits by $20,000 per acre. So massive, massive increase. And it just shows you bees don't fly in concentric circles. So there's different parameters like topography and prevailing winds that do change bee behaviour. So the other trial we did in sunflowers, we increased the farmer's oil content by at least 10%, which is massive for them. So every time we've had a trial in a different crop, it's it's just been amazing, the results that we've seen. So not only are we increasing their profits, we're also reducing, blueberries is a good example, a lot of their wastage as well. So under 10 mil, the blueberries are thrown out. They're not big enough to sell at the shops. So we reduced that particular farmer's waste by 80%. So with pollination and blueberries, the better the bees pollinate that flower, the bigger and more robust that blueberry is and the quality is increased as well. So we've seen amazing results. 
So, David, you mentioned, no, I think Kate mentioned that there's something like 100 crops that uh, bees have to pollinate. So is BDAR suitable for all of those crops? Yeah, indeed. So if we sort of take a step back, when we're talking about bees, for us in this context, we're talking about European honeybees or Atris mellifera. And if we think of Western society, most of the food and fibre crops Western world uses have evolved in that Mediterranean or European area. And that's the natural environment for European honeybees. So effectively what we've done is Western culture has exported those food and fibre crops they're familiar with, with their pollinating insects, honeybees around the world. But there's nearly 20,000 different types of bees around the world. And in Australia alone, there's over 1,600 different species of native bees. But as you mentioned, most of the crops involve some form of flowering and which requires a pollinator. So that's nearly 100 different crops that are commercially grown for food or fibre. Some of those crops don't routinely use bees as pollinators because they feel they don't need them or they have a treatment regime to control other insects that prohibits the use of bees. We're running a trial, as Kate mentioned earlier, with wine grapes. And last year, our results were looking promising, but with all the bushfires and smoke taint, that crop wasn't harvested. We're running trials again this year across three different orchards, across two different varieties of grapes, one red and two white. And the preliminary results uh, prior to harvest is showing a significant increase in yield in wine grapes, which is a crop that doesn't traditionally use honeybees to pollinate at all. And recently, Kate, you've been in the US working on sunflowers. Tell me about that. Yeah, so last year we teamed up with the University of North Dakota. They're world leaders in drone technology. So we contacted them and we received a North Dakota government grant to fund the trial. So we went over last year to North Dakota. Yeah, so we did a trial in sunflowers and that was an oil crop for those sunflowers. And they have a certain percentage of oil that they are aiming for. And every 1% above that, they get a bonus. So we were able to increase their oil content by over 10% above what their target percentage was. So we had a huge increase for them as well. So that that was fantastic. They must have been pretty excited. Yeah, they were. Absolutely. So I remember talking to the farmer before we had finished the trial and he said to us, if you get us 1% above our target, that's a game changer for the industry. So we exceeded that well and truly. So we were very pleased with that. And so were they. That brings us, of course, to the company itself and what your plans are. Do you have any competition? Is there anything like this anywhere else in the world? Uh, No, not currently. (laughs) So yes, not currently, but I'm sure there will be. As goes with everything, there's always competitors out there. So we're keeping our ear to the ground. (laughs) Yeah. What are your plans then in terms of expanding the company and taking advantage of this market that you're currently creating? Yeah. So, well, I guess with COVID, our plans probably worldwide have somewhat changed. But at the moment, we are performing quite a few jobs in many different crops in Australia. The beauty about working in food crops is we have that symbiotic relationship. So half the year, the crop's flowering in Australia and the other half of the year, it's flowering in the Northern Hemisphere. So that's fantastic that we can work half the year in Australia and then half the year, say, over in America. So at the moment, we're consolidating, working on different crops at the moment. Each crop we work in, we start off with a trial for the first one. So we can prove to the farmer the value of what 
we're providing. So when we're working in a new crop, we'll always start with a trial. So we, we can show the industry what we can actually do and how we can improve their crop and harvest. So I guess watch this space as far as heading overseas. Had our wings clipped a little bit. Then once COVID and, and international travel settles down, it could be a while, but ultimately we're looking to set up a base in, in the States and then oh, in okay. Europe as well. Terrific, terrific. Now, David, there is another product called BID. How is that different to the B radar? I guess, as Kate explained, the beginning of B Innovative was really around biosecurity, so to protect the industry that we're both involved in. So the technology of BID and BIDA in concept was designed hand in hand, one to identify an exotic species rapidly before it became established in Australia, or varroa on Apis mellifera or an exotic species, and then using BDAR to track that back and identify the infected hives that could be eradicated before those pests spread out into the broader landscape. So BID really is a monitoring station that uses size, colour, smell to attract foraging bees. And as the bees go through the monitoring station, we're actually collecting images of those bees and using artificial intelligence, we're able to analyse those images to identify the species and in the event that it is an exotic species or there is virile on the bees, we're able to send electronic alert message to notify biosecurity agencies that there is an incursion. So really we see BID as a frontline defence for Australian biosecurity for bees and at a later date with further development, other species as well. Is that taking a photo of the bees, is it? The heart of the device is capturing an image of the target to identify the species. Where the proprietary element is, is in the algorithm and in the, the structure and the nature of the device that's attracting those foraging bees. Now, Kate, you were at Evoke Ag in 2020. We were. Presented there. How was that experience? Really enjoyable. We met a lot of potential customers at the event. From that, we actually have captured quite a bit of work. So for us, the experience was fantastic. David presented as well. So it's created lots of interest. So we really enjoyed the experience. I imagine it would create a tremendous amount of interest. And there's only you two at the moment. How are you possibly going to get around the world, COVID permitting, <laughs> to service what must be tens of thousands of farmers? <laughs> That's a very good question. So at the moment, yes, it is just the two of us. As I said, setting up a hub in the States and Europe, obviously, we'd be putting quite a bit of staff on. So the, the easiest way for us to expand is just to em employ staff or contractors to do the work as well. So you're a company that's looking for investment in this area now? Yeah, so we are. We wanted to build up the company to a greater value before we sought investment, but we're certainly working towards that. So in the, in the near future, absolutely. Well, it's, it must have been an amazing cup of tea. That's all I can say. It's a, a <laughs> fantastic result. It's come for the both of you. Congratulations and just all the best in the future. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you, Chris. Kate and David Lyle from Be Innovative. What an exciting time for them. And, you know, there are heaps of other stories of innovation about turning a kernel of an idea into a field of dreams come true on the Evoke Ag website. And just a reminder that the next Evoke Ag will be in Perth next year, February 2022. Thanks for listening. My name is Chris Brown. 
You've been listening to Agri Futures On Air, a weekly podcast brought to you by Agri Futures Australia. 